from 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the K1 Podcast. Welcome to the K1 Podcast. I'm Kevin Zimmerman, joined by Rudy Carpenter. And for the first time in seven games, we get to talk about a win. The Cardinals took down the Cleveland Browns at home 38-24. to And uh, Kyler Murray just got back to what we saw the best moments of his season so far after two rough weeks. He was 19 for 25 for 219 yards, a touchdown, a pick, and Rudy, zero sacks. You know, I've been saying this really all year long, and I think to me that's probably the most important stat line for Kyler. Again, like you said, he was 19 for 25. 19 for 25 is efficient football, right? Especially when you include some of the throwaways that he had, which, number one, saved them from sacks, saved them from loss of yardage, kept them on schedule. Or in one of the situations that that Cliff talked about at the end of the game was him throwing the ball away, which, which... regardless was going to either preserve a touchdown or preserve a field goal that they were going to guarantee themselves points and so when Kyler Murray plays efficient this team has a chance you look at the 19 for 25 that's efficient 219 yards that's efficient because it's 8.8 yards per attempt or per, per completion right the one touchdown one interception you would love for him to, to get rid of that one interception considering that it, it just when I look at it, I know that Jay Feely and those guys in the telecast thought he didn't see the underneath defender. I think he exactly saw him, and I just think that he missed the throw. He was trying to softly touch the ball or softly lay the ball over his head, and he just left it short. That happens all the time. If Kyler would have ripped the ball you know, really hard driving the football, I think we could have said, yeah, he didn't see him there. The fact that it was touch and it was soft makes me believe that he was trying to lay the ball up over the guy. That's a better scenario because that means it's a physical error not a mental error and and for me and for Kyler I think that the physical errors are much easier to correct than the mental errors they're they're difficult mental errors are difficult or or missed reads are difficult that just happens and and it's part of playing the position whether or not you can fully understand zone coverage man coverage how they're playing it underneath can be difficult physical error easy for Kyler to overcome so I think Kyler's playing super efficient then you look at his run game stats he had eight attempts for 56 yards He's averaging almost seven yards per attempt in that football game with the one big run. We just talked about it on the Doug and Wolf show, and people are worried about how quarterbacks run Lamar Jackson or a Kyler Murray, but even on that big run, you saw Kyler make some guys miss. You saw him cut back into the middle of the field to get extra yards, and then you saw him get down and barely get hit. And I think that that's a very important piece for Kyler in the run game is understanding, just like the pass game, when the play is over, get down, not take any hits. Ultimately, like I said, this is a very, very efficient game. And like I said, it all goes back to what you said, the sacks. When Kyler Murray doesn't take sacks, this team is so much better. And obviously Cleveland did not have Miles Garrett, a guy who might have gotten some sacks had he been available um, because of that suspension. Um, I want to ask you, though, we had a couple weeks in a row where Kyler wasn't really used in the run game, and we've seen that where he's like Cliff just doesn't go to him or he doesn't run. Um, Do you think that's game plan as far as we're not going to really push it when there are really good defensive ends, edge rushers, or do you think that's just game plan by game? by day. Well, look, I think that some of it is probably game plan. I mean, when you're running some of your zone read concepts or your read concepts and you're reading defensive linemen, I mean, when, you, when you're playing against premier athletes like those edge guys are or some of the interior tackles are who can do two things at once or who can redirect, for instance, a zone read if you're a, if you're a, a defensive end, some of those guys can squeeze and play the inside zone by the running back and still react and, and, and make a tackle on the quarterback. So 
yeah, there might be some game plan things why they're not running him as much. Um, but I think that for the most part, this is probably just Kyler Murray going through the read, and the read tells him to hand the ball off. And when you play some weeks, you're going to have more times you're handing the ball off, and some weeks we're going to have more time keeping the football. So I just think that's Kyler just trying to play within the offense and doing what the offense uh, dictates with the read. With that being said, there are still a lot of times where you can do designed runs for Kyler, where you're just faking an inside handoff and you're pulling a guard, you're pulling a tackle, you're pulling even you're having maybe a fullback or somebody leading the way as his personal protector. You see the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott do that a lot. They don't like to run him on pure quarterback reads. They like to have somebody out in front of him just to protect him. So I think that one thing that I think that the, the Arizona Cardinals will do and probably the entire NFL will do is, is go back and look at the end of the season, when they want to look at their quarterback runs, is obviously the Baltimore Ravens. What are they doing with their run scheme? What is Baltimore doing with their run scheme that is so successful? How can we gain an advantage with our guys when we have a guy like Kyler Murray who is so dynamic in the run game? I think the Cardinals will definitely do a postseason autopsy, a postseason study, whatever you want to call it, scouting report on the Baltimore Ravens. But I also think you're going to see a ton of teams go within the Cardinals division and take a look at the San Francisco 49ers and their run game. Mike McDaniels is one of the best young coaches in the NFL. He's one of the best run game coordinators in the NFL and the most creative uh, coordinators in the NFL. He might be a a hot name uh, for, for an offensive coordinator candidate this season, but his run game is really, really good and it's dynamic without quarterback runs. And so I think the Cardinals will go back and, and watch what he does uh, too, because this this Arizona Cardinals team, with Kyler Murray playing efficient like this, I think they've identified who their franchise quarterback is this year, and I think they've identified that Cliff, with the proper resources around him, can have a successful offense. And this Arizona Cardinals team needs to take pressure off Kyler Murray. They need to build this offensive line. They need to solidify some of their skill spots, and they need to get the running back position under control. And that situation is only getting worse. When you see Kenyon Drake rush for four touchdowns and David Johnson again do nothing, he had three rushes for six yards, it's 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 a massive question because the cap pit against David Johnson is massive, and also Kenyon Drake is an unrestricted free agent who is not going to give a hometown discount. We'll get into that in a sec. I just want to talk about that running game and what we saw last night. I mean, from the very first play that they had from scrimmage, I think it was like a 9- or a 13-yard run. Um, how much is it good or bad that the offensive playbook is so wide open when they're either ahead and able to run the ball versus when they're behind. Like, is that every NFL team or is that this team specifically? That's every single NFL team. Look, when you're, when you're, that, that's what makes the, the Seahawks so good and the Patriots so good. And that's what makes the, the, the Saints so good and all these teams good is that you have to defend against everything. Look at the Rams. When the Rams can run the football or at least show they can run the football and they get their play action passes going, they are impossible to defend. When the Kansas City Chiefs get their run game going and all their misdirection plays going, their play action pass game and their shot plays are impossible to defend. The yesterday, Josh Gordon and DK Metcalf both hit huge plays in the Seattle Seahawks game. But again, when they can get their run game going, they can sprinkle in some quarterback runs to keep the defense honest. And then now it's in your play action pass, pulling it and throwing deep shots. It is very difficult to defend. The Arizona Cardinals, though, have rarely been in that position. When you get in a position down points and you're chasing, and you especially have an, uh, 
at best average offensive line and it allows the the other team's defense to get in sprinter stances and rush the passer because you're down 14, you're down 17, you're down 21 early in the football game, it is impossible. I don't care how good you are. So the red zone offense was pretty good last night and that would has been the storyline and of course the other storyline last night was Cliff Kingsbury versus the guy who used to hold his position, Steve Wilkes. Um when you look at the red zone specifically, I mean, we saw a look where there were two tight ends and fits out, I think it was a trips formation on the right side, and it looked a lot like a play they ran early in, I think it was the first two weeks, where they threw a screen just to fits, and he had two blockers. Um, they didn't do that. Kyler ran around the left side and pitched to Kenyon Drake for one of his touchdowns when they're down there at the red zone. Is that kind of how you see Cliff's development and how he's his offense works as far as when people scout him? they have these different options you can change up that much on a play yeah I don't really know I mean to be honest I I, I, maybe I have a different philosophy than most but like like literally every team I played in on in college with two coaching staffs every team I played with in the NFL we literally all had the same game plan when it came to red zone offense there's only so much you can do because most everybody runs the same types of runs. You run an ISO, you run a, an inside zone, you run an outside zone, or mostly you run a power play, and then you have some play action passes off of that. We've all heard John Gruden famously say on TV, Spider 2, why banana? Literally every team has that play. It's just something different. The crossing play that we saw early in the game, uh, or, or this last week where Kyler threw the ball away and Cliff said that was his favorite play in the game, we literally saw like five or six teams this week score on that exact play on other teams. Every team runs the same plays. It's just about identifying whether it's man or zone. That play is a man-to-man beater. Well, they didn't play man, so Kyler's had to throw the football away, and that's kind of how this game works. I think that the red zone, especially the low red zone, when the field is condensed, really comes down to how well can you run the football, is it a staple in your offense, and what is your philosophy? At some point in time, you have to line up 11 on 11, 10 on 11, knowing they're running the football, and you got to run the football and get yardage or a score. You saw that yesterday with the Seattle Seahawks and how they scored in the low red zone. But there are also times in the low red zone because it's so condensed, players have to make contested plays. You are very rarely going to get a guy wide open in the red zone or the low red zone unless it's man-to-man coverage and you hit on some type of pick play. The play that Arnold made in the back of the end zone yesterday, that's a routine play that looks like a great play. But in the NFL, in the contested spaces, low in the red zone, coverage is tight, Literally, you have to make contested catches, and down there, tight fits feel the best. To that point, I mean, I think I said it to Vince when we were in the press box. Like, I don't remember a time when they were at the two-yard line, just ran it and got a touchdown. And they got at least one of those plays um, right there on the goal line. And then that Arnold play, I don't remember another play where Kyler had to hit a high throw to a receiver in the end zone and he failed multiple times with fits in such situations early in the year and then this guy comes out of the blue who was signed what 10 days ago 11 days ago now and makes a play so i mean that's they're still looking for weapons and when we talk about Kenyon drake yeah he got a win for them he helped them get a win yesterday but i mean what about this running back situation do i mean another week where Chase Edmonds didn't play and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be playing because he's done well when he's been out there. David Johnson got a third carry in garbage time to wind the clock out. So, I mean, like you said earlier, that 
that position specifically is getting more complicated, and I don't see exactly why. I think the run game with Kenyon Drake was was great yesterday, probably for a multitude of reasons. They probably got good looks, you know, but with the defensive front that the that the Cleveland Browns were running. I feel like that uh, when you when you're able to keep the defense honest, because Kyler is such a great runner, that also helps uh, open up some of these holes or lanes. Um, you know, a little bit better for for Kenyon Drake. But I just think it's going to be a real problem going into next season. I imagine the Arizona Cardinals, based on how they've played and used David Johnson over the second half of the season, or probably this entire season, really, I think they've already made their decision on what they're going to do with David Johnson moving forward. I would be shocked I would be shocked if David Johnson was back on this football team next year. You can't keep both of these guys with their pay structures the way they're going to want their pay structures to be. Kenyon Drake's going to be looking for big money. It's his first time in free agency. He's not going to let that pass without cashing out. David Johnson already cashed out. But again, not with this coaching staff, and it just doesn't look like you know there's any continuity with this coaching staff and David Johnson. And it seems like Cliff Kingsbury is winning that battle with Steve Kime. If Steve Kime, when you pay your players, especially guys like David Johnson, you want to see them on the field. And right now, it seems like Cliff Kingsbury has made an executive decision and saying, hey, I'm, I'm not doing that. This is who I'm going to play. And so I'd be hard-pressed to believe that David Johnson is going to be back on this football team next year. Um, and I think that's really the question for the Arizona Cardinals. I think you got some good young pieces in place. I think you have some good young talent. But when you're talking about Man, it was so great to see Pat P motivated. Man, it was really great. Pat P was mean mugging all game. He couldn't wait to cover OBJ. You can't have that guy on your football team. You cannot have that guy on your football team in your locker room with young players if he's going to be that kind of influence. Veteran players with a young team that's building, they need to be guys who are true professionals. We thought that was Patrick Peterson, but the last two years... He has shown us something different, and the Arizona Cardinals, in my view, are going to have to do something and figure out if Pat P is really going to be here next year. But his situation's complicated because you can't get rid of him with all that uh, dead money in the cap pit, along with the dead money in the cap pit for David Johnson. It's just impossible. And that brings me to the real point, which is Steve Kime. If you look at Steve Kime's drafts since he's been here, there's only been one organization that we think, one organization that's drafted worse than the Arizona Cardinals, and that's the Cleveland Browns. And once again, Keyshawn Johnson, not active. Andy Isabella was only really used in some sweet plays, basically running the ball. Um, I mean, Zach Allen's out hurt. I mean, they've gotten not much from this draft class. Even Byron Murphy's stock has gone down. Way down. Over and the course Butler's of the year. been out and been hurt, not playing. Hassan Reddick got hurt last night, so his yeah. chance to play. And we didn't even talk about they were hurt, so we don't know what's going to come of that. We haven't heard on his status, but I mean, this is this is piling up right now. It's, it's massively piling up, and I and I think from everybody heard um, people think that it looks like Steve Kime's probably going to be back next year, and it looks like Michael Bidwell is going to trust Steve Kime with another draft pick. He's going to trust him with another draft class. 
And and to me, that that really hasn't worked out. He's going to trust him with another year of free agency, another year of of, of trading for guys, possibly whatever it may be. And, and again, we just haven't seen um, his philosophy, his idea in free agency, his idea in in the way that they handle the draft. We just haven't seen it uh, bear fruit. Yes, there have been some time time signs, but. I thought that was a problem, too, and I was on these airwaves talking about it a lot, the time time signs. When you're signing guys like Chris Johnson or you're signing guys like that, even when you're signing and trading for Carson Palmer, what that really means is you've missed. I mean, earlier in the week, he, he admitted again, I, he's up, upset, frustrated on the lack of touches, and I asked him straight up, like, have you at least, are you clear on what Cliff wants from you? And he says, yeah, even though he was clear and honest about disagreeing with why he wasn't playing pat peterson last night said that his legs are coming back i mean i don't know you want to buy that just if you're hopeful because i've been in the nfl and around the nfl for a long time and i've seen situations like this this is a clear situation where patrick peterson looks around and says "Eh, i'm not playing against great competition that i think i'm not playing against a solo receiver i'm not playing against a pro bowl receiver this is the week for patrick peterson where he had a chance to showcase his talent is patrick peterson that we thought and to me yeah good for you pat you can turn it on you can turn it off and on whenever you want you can you can decide you're going to come out and play against odell beckham you're going to travel with him, you're going to cover him one on one. I know that didn't happen a ton, but the point is, is you felt like with with Jarvis Landry, and you felt like with Odell Beckham Jr. and going up against uh, Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, this is a chance for you to show the rest of the NFL that you can still play and possibly drive up your trade market or create some kind of market for yourself. Even though he said he plans on coming back next year, I get it. But to me. When you're a young NFL coach like Cliff Kingsbury and you have a young NFL uh, franchise quarterback who you took with the first pick overall, you have to insulate and surround these guys with true professionals. And a guy who is complaining last year and asking for trades and sitting out practices and a guy that this year was suspended for six games and then doesn't even come back ready to play and say that it's taken him much longer to, to get his legs back under him coincidentally in a game that he won wanted really to, to play well in to me I just don't understand that and, and I think it's a problem and I think it needs to be addressed so they're heading to Seattle and the basically the NFC standings are a mess right now um, they have everything to play for the Seahawks do they're banged up I mean they had I think I read starting cornerback starting safety both DEs, starting middle linebacker, starting outside linebacker. I mean, they were without a bunch of guys. Some of them are coming back, but like Bobby Wagner has an ankle injury. Um, Quandre Diggs, I believe, also has an ankle injury. So, I mean, they're not at full strength. The Cardinals are coming off their best win of the year. What do you want to see in this? Because, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be interesting to see what the Seattle Seahawks do because this is a game they might have looked at and said, hey, we're banged up, we're hurt, we got guys that aren't ready to play. We're trying to make, number one, we're trying to close out our division, obviously with the 49ers losing yesterday. We're trying to create home field advantage or whatever their situation may be. Can, is this a game that we can sit out some of our guys and get them an extra week of rest and still win? Now I think they don't have that luxury. I think the, the Seattle Seahawks need to play all of their guys. And I know the Arizona Cardinals fans don't love it. I played against the guys, so I know Pete Carroll does a great job. They're going to find a way to get the, the Seattle Seahawks football team ready 
for this game against the Arizona Cardinals, regardless of the fact that the Arizona Cardinals are 4-9-1. and This Seattle Seahawks team will show up, so it's going to be a good test for the Arizona Cardinals on the road. This year, the Arizona Cardinals have played really, really well against the San Francisco 49ers two times. And so they have this in them. They can do this. We just saw the Atlanta Falcons upset the San Francisco 49ers on the road. The the, the Arizona Cardinals are going to be able to play spoiler to a certain extent. This is a big game, though. And so... I think what you want to see is what you saw this week from Kyler. You want to see him be a good decision maker. You want to see him use his legs when he can. You want to see him protect the football. You want to see him play efficient football against a well-coached football team. The I really think it comes down to can the Arizona Cardinals on defense defend Russell Wilson. They've had guys like DK Metcalf and their tight end groups and their running back group and now guys like Josh Gordon this last week making big plays. Can the Arizona Cardinals defend? And that defense has at least held up and not had major, major breakdowns for two weeks in a row. So, I mean, there were some big chub runs in there, I guess, but good enough to win. Any last thoughts as we head into week 16? That's it. I mean, look, this was a good win for the Arizona Cardinals. I'm never going to diminish a win. We talk about it every week. When you win in the NFL, it's very, very difficult. Um, and so I don't think we should ever apologize for a win or, or you know, downplay what a win in the NFL is. I think this was a massive win for Steve Kime. The, the, the chance they could have gone on a nine-game losing streak I think would have been devastating for his job. How they played coming out after the bye week has been really bad. Getting crushed by the, or the Rams was terrible for them, especially how the Rams had played the week before and how they just got handled by the Dallas Cowboys last night. So I think this was, a, this was a, an important win for, for Steve Kime and the organization, the last home win. I think it was important. Um, and like I said, I think it's going to be interesting for Cardinals fans the last two weeks because I think the one of the big questions for Cardinals fans outside of the development of the football team is, does Larry Fitzgerald come back next year? And, and if not, then we saw him play in his last home game. We got no answers from him. Not surprising there after the last night's game. That's obviously a big thing. Lots of moving parts to this. That's Rudy Carpenter. I'm Kevin Zimmerman. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.